chapter 12, if you will, Numbers chapter 12, and uh, as I mentioned in, in a few days after Bible school is done, I'm going to be down in Mobile, Alabama, and I'm going to be teaching on leadership down there for a few days, and, um, and God has, uh, God's given me some content, and I, and I just got to thinking, you know what, this is going to be a, a big week, this is going to be a busy week. And many of you are going to be leading. Many of you are already serving in leadership capacities. And so I thought, you know what? It might not be a bad idea if I'm going to go to another church and teach on leadership. It might not be a bad idea to teach on leadership at Calvary Baptist Church. And so that's what I'm going to do tonight. I'm going to just try to follow what I, what I feel like is the will of the Lord and, and just teach you a little bit about leadership tonight. And so Numbers chapter 12 in your Bibles, and when you find your, your places, if you're able to stand... If you'll stand tonight, and we're going to read a little more scripture than we normally would, but I want you to get the, uh, I want I want you to get the whole gist of this story. It's a very interesting story. It's a very unique story in the Bible, and uh, and I, and and I'll, I'll be honest with you. In some ways, this is a little bit more of a difficult type message to teach, um, but but uh, if we're going to be good leaders, then I think we need to understand what the Bible's trying to teach us here. And we're just going to work our way through Numbers chapter 12, and, and I'm going to give you several things. And there's no way I can give you everything i got tonight. I've got way too much. And, and it's not necessarily important that I finish. It's just important that I, that, I, that I engage with you tonight. So let's look at Numbers chapter 12 and verse number 1. The Bible says, And Miriam and Aaron spake against Moses because of the Ethiopian woman whom he had married. For he had married an Ethiopian woman. And they said, Hath the Lord indeed spoken only by Moses? Hath he not spoken also by us? And the Lord, notice this phrase, and the Lord heard it. Now the man Moses was very meek above all the men which were upon the face of the earth. And the Lord spake suddenly unto Moses and unto Aaron and unto Miriam, Come out ye three unto the tabernacle of the congregation. And they three came out. And the Lord came down in the pillar of the cloud and stood in the door of the tabernacle and called Aaron and Miriam. And they both came forth. And he said, hear now my words. If there be a prophet among you, I, the Lord, will make myself known unto him in a vision and will speak unto him in a dream. My servant Moses is not so, who is faithful in all mine house. With him will I speak mouth to mouth, even apparently, and not in dark speeches, and the similitude of the Lord shall he behold. Wherefore then were ye not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? And the anger of the Lord was kindled against them, and he departed. And the cloud departed from off the tabernacle, and behold, Miriam became leprous, white as snow. And Aaron looked upon Miriam, and behold, she was leprous. And Aaron said unto Moses, Alas, my Lord, I beseech thee, lay not the sin upon us wherein we have done foolishly and wherein we have sinned. Let her not be as one dead of whom the flesh is half consumed when he cometh out of his mother's womb. And Moses cried unto the Lord, saying, Heal her now, O God, I beseech thee. And the Lord said unto Moses, If her father had but spit in her face, should she not be ashamed seven days? Let her be shut out from the camp seven days, and after that, let her be received in again. And Miriam was shut out from the camp seven days, and the people journeyed not till Miriam was brought in again. And afterward, the people removed from Hazaroth and pitched in the wilderness of Paran. You may be seated tonight. And just for a few moments, I want to teach you on leadership. 
And uh, don't worry about the thunder. And uh, hey, listen, <laughs> God's in control, amen? And so we're not gonna worry about that. I wanna talk to you about this subject, stay in your lane. That's the, that's the title of my message tonight, stay in your lane. And, and, and honestly and truly, God's been dealing my heart about this message for weeks, for weeks and weeks. And, uh, and I already really already had a, an outline sort of together, but this week the Lord really fine-tuned that, and, and this is probably one of the things that I'm going to teach down in Mobile, but I thought, you know what, this is a, probably a good opportunity to teach this to our church at Calvary, especially as we're getting ready to go into Bible school. And so let's, let, let's, let's study Numbers chapter 12 tonight. And again, I'm, I'm just going to teach to you. I'm really not going to preach tonight. And, uh, but I hope it'll be a help. Let's go to the Lord in prayer tonight. Father, we love you and thank you so much for your blessings and for the privilege to be here tonight. And oh, Lord, I pray so much now that you would come and I pray that you would help me. I pray that you would fill me with the Spirit of God. And Lord, I pray that you take care of the storm and all of that. And I pray, Lord, if it might be in your will that we'd not be distracted tonight from what you have for us from the Word of God. Lord, I, 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 I do know probably there's no way uh, that I can give give the people all the content that I have tonight, not in one service. Lord, just looking through, I'm thinking there's no way I can, I can go through all these verses that I have. But Lord, just help me to give them what you want tonight. And then I pray you just help us to quit. I pray that we'll go home. And so Holy Spirit, help us and guide us. And, and we pray that you might bind the powers of darkness. And, and uh, Lord, I pray that you'd give us the unction of the Spirit tonight, that smearing upon of the Holy Spirit. And and I pray that we would say something that would be a help and a blessing. And Lord, that you would raise up great godly leaders at the Calvary Baptist Church. You're doing that already. And, and for that, we're thankful. And we have a lot of young people coming up, a lot of, a lot of young adults. And, and Lord, I pray that you would teach them. And I pray you'd help us in, in pouring into them. And so Holy Spirit, please come now and help us in a great way. We love you. We praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. And for his sake, amen. Now, I was recently reading an article that listed the top 12 reasons for fatal car accidents in America. And here are just a few uh, of those top 12 reasons for fatal car accidents. Way up at the top, in fact, number 12 was drowsy driving. Um, and boy, how many know that's, that's dangerous when you get drowsy behind the wheel um, and you know what's really amazing about that is they say that most dr drowsy driving accidents happen within three miles of the house. Is usually where they happen. Uh, that was number 12. Number 11, number 11 was poor weather, uh, rain, slick roads, snow, uh, that, that type of thing. Number 11 for fatal car crashes. Number nine was reckless driving. Number eight was failing to obey traffic signals. But, and I'm not going to go through the whole list tonight. But way down, uh, right there close to number one was this one, veering into another lane. Was actually the top three out of the 12, it was the top three for the most uh, fatal car accidents that happened in America. The article went on to say this, why drivers fail to keep in the proper lane while driving can vary from distracted driving to drowsy or impaired driving. In addition to these reasons, drivers with a medical condition, heart attack, stroke, etc., can veer into another driver's lane and cause a collision or result in a driver running off the road. About 8.5% of fatal crashes were due to these types of accidents. Now, you say, Pastor, why are you, why, why are you telling that, those, those statistics? Well, I want you to understand that Miriam did not cause an accident, but she did cause a mess. 
She caused a lot of heartache, all because Miriam decided not to stay in her lane. Now, when, when Miriam took it upon herself to rebuke Moses, she veered out of her lane. Now, I want to I show you a few things about Numbers chapter 12, and I, I hope these will be a, 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 be, a, be a help to you tonight. I'll put a few things on the screen tonight. First of all, I want you to see, number one, the mistake, what I'm going to call the mistake of meddling. The mistake of meddling. I, believe, I really believe that's the context of Numbers chapter number 12. Nowhere do we find God calling Miriam to lead or correct. And yet Miriam is trying to lead in an area where she's not called. She attempts to step out of her role into somebody else's role, and when she does that, she veers out of her lane. Let me show it to you. Look at Numbers chapter 12, verse number 1. The Bible says in Miriam and Aaron, and so the, 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 the uh, idea there, uh, and somebody says, preacher, why did God not strike Aaron down? He struck Miriam, but he didn't strike Aaron, and at least some scholars believe this, that, that the implication there is that because it mentions Miriam first, that probably Miriam instigated this. Now, by the way, I don't know if you know this or not, but all of them are family. <coughs> Moses, Aaron, Miriam. Well, boy, how many know this? That uh, nobody can fight like family fights. And so Moses is, uh, is the younger brother, and, and Moses is leading the Israelites. And, and the, but, the, but the Bible says in verse number one, and Miriam and Aaron spake against Moses, their brother, the leader, spake against Moses because of the Ethiopian woman whom he had married. Now, uh, if you study this out, you're going to find out something that that Ethiopian woman was probably of a different descent and probably a little different shade skin color than Moses was. But when you really start diving into this story, I'm going to be honest with you, that marriage to the Ethiopian woman, that was just a smoke screen. That it really wasn't about that at all. And so the Bible says, for he had married an Ethiopian woman, verse two, and they said, hath the Lord indeed spoken only by Moses? Hath he not spoken also by us? And then the Bible says this, and the Lord heard it. Now Miriam's mentality was this, Moses is not the only leader. He's made, at least in her opinion, he had made a mistake. And uh, he was brother on top of that. And so she felt like, you know what, he was not the only one who could lead. And Miriam said, you know what, I believe we can lead just as good as Moses. Now, number one is this, where did that notion even come from? Why would Miriam even think like that? Well, I believe we find it right here in the scripture. Look back one page and look at Numbers chapter 11 and look at verse 16. Numbers 11 verse 16, the Bible says, And the Lord said unto Moses, Gather unto me 70 men of the elders of Israel, whom thou knowest to be the elders of the people and officers over them, and bring them unto the tabernacle of the congregation, that they may stand there with thee. Look at verse 17, very interesting verse. The Bible says, and I will come down and talk, uh, and talk with thee there, and I will take of the spirit which is upon thee, Moses, and will put it upon them, the 70 elders, and they shall bear the burden of the people with thee, that thou bear it not thyself alone. And so God temporarily and partially does share some of the leadership responsibility that was originally given to Moses. And so these leaders were temporarily called and they were, and notice this, they were called to bear the burden of the people. Now, what's going on? Study it out. And you'll find out the people were complaining, they were murmuring, they were bickering, 
And Moses finally got to the place and he said, Lord, I don't know if I can handle this much longer. I mean, these people are about to get on my last nerve. And he said, I just, I just, I, I don't think I can take this very much longer. And so God says, all right, Moses, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I want you to find 70 men of the elders of Israel that you know are elders that are leaders. And I want you to get those men together. And he said, I want you to come to the tabernacle and I'm going to take the spirit that I put upon you. And I'm going to put that spirit upon those men as well. Uh, now, Miriam saw that and Miriam thought, you know what? I believe this. I believe that that God is going to let us lead. Now, let me say something to our leaders tonight. If God offers you some leadership responsibility, be sure that you do not allow pride or familiarity to creep in. Don't ever get to that place where you say, well, I'm the leader now, and I can do anything I want. If that's your attitude, you're not a leader. You're not a leader. And if you are, you're not a good leader. And by the way, that doesn't just fit at church. That fits anywhere. That fits at the job. That fits at the plant. That fits at the factory. That fits at the office. And we find here that Miriam, Miriam mistook this for Moses' weakness and even his replacement. And so she began to rebuke Moses. And when she did, she veered out of her lane. And the Bible says that God became angry. Now, let's talk about this a little further. What's the difference between initiative and interference? What's the difference? I think we see both of those here. What's the difference between initiative and interference? First of all, look at this. People of initiative are a blessing. They really are. Now, initiative. I talked about it a little bit on Countdown to Courage this week. It's a word we don't hear very much, initiative. You know what's really sad? A lot of our kids don't even know what it is. We're not hearing it taught in the schools anymore. Uh, and uh, all of our business owners that are here tonight, you know what I'm preaching is the truth tonight. Most of the people you hire don't have initiative. They don't know what initiative is. They can't do a job on their own. They've got to be told every single little detail. Uh, and if you're not telling them to do it, they're not going to do it. If you don't tell them to pick up a broom, they don't pick up the broom. And, uh, and the problem is, our, our, especially our younger generation, uh, lack Initiative, initiative. Now, what's initiative mean? And, it, and this is the, the definition. Initiative is taking an introductory step at one's own discretion, independently of outside influence or control. In other words, in simple terms, if you see something that needs to be done, you take the initiative to do it. If you see trash laying on the ground, you don't wait for somebody else to pick it up. You pick it up. That's initiative. By the way, that's what a leader does. If you see a potential hazard, you don't wait for somebody else to take care of that potential hazard. You take the initiative of remedying that, that situation. I'll tell you something else. If you see a conversation in the church that's going south, as a leader, you take the initiative to try to be the peacemaker. And to try to make sure that you say, wow, that's, that's going south fast. And so you know what you do as a leader, as a leader, you take the initiative and step in and say, you know what? I'm going to do my best to try to take this conversation the other way. You don't go in there and fuel the fire and uh, jump in with all of them and, and, uh, and, and, and make it worse. No, as a leader, you try to make it better. Initiative is fulfilling a need personally, not waiting to see if somebody else is going to feel that need. 
Now, take your Bibles tonight and turn to the book of Isaiah. And I want to give you, at least give you one example. I've got more. But I want to give you one example of initiative. Isaiah chapter 6 and verse number 8. Isaiah was a great prophet, but one of the reasons that Isaiah was such a great prophet and such anointed and so anointed was because Isaiah was a prophet of initiative, of initiative. Now, pastor, what are you talking about? Look at Isaiah 6 and verse number 8. Isaiah 6 verse 8. The Bible says, also, I heard the voice of the Lord God saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? Look at this. Then said I, here am I. Send me. Boy, I love that. You know what? Isaiah did not wait to see if somebody else was going to do it. Isaiah said, Lord, I'll go. Lord, if you need somebody, I'll do it. Lord, if you need somebody to clean them, the commode, I'll do it. Lord, if you need somebody to run the dust mop, I'll do it. Lord, if you need somebody to, to work in a Sunday school class, Lord, I'll do it. If you need somebody to help out in the parking lot, I'll do it. I'm not going to wait to see if three or four other people volunteer. I'm going to be a leader of initiative, and I'm going to go ahead and take the opportunity, take the first step, and I don't have to be asked to do it, and I don't have to be paid to do it, and I don't have to be begged to do it. I'm just going to take the initiative, and I'm going to get it done. Now, let me tell you this. Leadership does call you to be a person of initiative, but leadership never calls you to interfere in areas that you've not been called to. And so with that, stay in your lane. Stay in your lane. Now, you say, Pastor, I'm not following you. All right. Let me keep giving you Bible until you understand, until you finally understand where I'm going. Take your Bibles and turn over to 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel chapter 13. 1 Samuel chapter 13. What's the difference in, in, in initiative and interference? Well, let me show you this. Saul was a leader, but he was not guilty of initiative. He was guilty of interference. Look at 1 Samuel chapter 13 and verse number 8. And we notice here in 1 Samuel 13 that Saul did not stay in his lane. He did not stay where he was called to be. Now, Saul was the king. But you know what? Even, even with the king, there's limitations. And so look at 1 Samuel 13 verse 8. The Bible says that he tarried seven days according to the set time. Saul did. He tar Saul tarried seven days according to the set time that Samuel had appointed. But Samuel, the prophet, Samuel came not to Gilgal. And the people were scattered from him, from Saul. Verse 9. And Saul, the king, I'm adding that. but uh, So Saul's the leader. He's the king. And Saul said, bring hither a burnt offering to me and peace offerings and the Bible says, and he, Saul, and he offered the burnt offering. Now, ask you a question. Was it the job of the king to offer the burnt offering, yes or no? No, it was not. It was the job of the priest to do that. But the Bible says that, that Samuel delayed. And so because of that, the Bible says that Saul called for the burnt offering. Verse 10, uh, verse 9, he offers the burnt offering. Verse 10, look what happens. Verse 10, and it came to pass that as soon as he had made an end of offering the burnt offering, behold, Samuel came. And Saul went out to meet him that he might salute him. And Samuel said, what hast thou done? And Saul said, because I saw the people were scattered from me, and that thou camest not within the days appointed, and that the Philistines gathered themselves together at Michmash. Therefore said I, the Philistines will come down now upon me to Gilgal, and I have not made supplication unto the Lord. I forced myself, therefore, <laughs> I forced myself, therefore, and offered a burnt offering. 
In other words, I didn't have a choice. I had to do it. I had to get out of my lane. But here's the thing. God never told Saul to do that. Look what happened. Look at, uh, look at verse 13. And Samuel said to Saul, thou hast done well. No. Thou hast done what? Foolishly. Thou hast not kept the command of the Lord thy God, which commanded thee. For now the Lord would, uh, for now would the Lord have established thy kingdom upon Israel forever. But now thy kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought him a man after his own heart, and the Lord has commanded him to be captain over his people, because thou hast not kept that which the Lord commanded thee. Now, my point tonight is this, church: as a leader, and Saul was a leader, but as a as a leader, Saul did not stay in his lane. Saul got out of his lane. Saul was in an area he was not supposed to be. God never called him to be the priest. God never called him to offer the burnt sacrifice. And yet, that Saul got involved in that. And so that wasn't initiative. That was interference. Let me show you another example. Take your Bibles tonight, if you will, and turn over to the book of John, the Gospel of John. John chapter 21. John chapter 21. And look at verse number 20. We're talking about staying in your lane. John chapter 21, and look at verse number 20. Now, we know that Peter was somewhat impulsive, and I really believe that Scripture records so much about Peter because Peter's a, a pretty good example of you and me. And, but, but look what it says in John 21, verse number 20. Uh, uh, then Peter, turning about, seeth the disciple whom Jesus loved following, that's John, which also leaned on his breast at supper and said, Lord, which is he that betrayeth thee? Verse 21. Peter, seeing him, seeing John, saith to Jesus, Lord, and what shall this man do? What's John gonna do? Look at verse 22. Jesus saith unto him, if I will, that he, John, if I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? Follow thou me. In other words, in our language today, you know what Jesus told Peter? That is none of your business. You just got out of your lane. Hey, Peter, stay in your lane. That's exactly what he's saying. Stay in your lane. You stay where God has called you. Don't you worry about getting into everybody else's business. You just stay in your lane as a leader. Now, I've been in this church now for 32 years, and we're blessed. We're so blessed, my wife and I. And... Uh, uh, and uh, man, we, we, we pastor one of the greatest, I really believe this, man, we pastor one of the greatest congregations in all the world. I believe that. I, I believe God is doing something supernatural. I believe God's doing something great uh, at the Calvary Baptist Church. And, and some of you folks, uh, I, I've known you for a long, long time. And uh, Miss, uh, um, Miss Carol at uh, lunch today, she mentioned Miss Odessa. She had the opportunity to talk to Miss Odessa and she said Miss Odessa was so sweet and and I said, yeah. I said, Melvin and Odessa, they've been with us the whole time. We've been here 32 years. And I said, they've been with us the whole time. Uh, and, uh, and, I, and some of you I know very intimately. I know you very deeply. And I've been your pastor for, for a long, long time. And I, 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 some of you, I know you better than a lot of people know you. But you also know this. If you've been here for any time at all, I don't get in your personal business unless you ask Somebody said, insult for advice is seldom heeded and often resented. And so if you're having problems, 
If you're having issues with your wife or you're having issues with your husband or you're having issues with your kids, I don't, I don't veer out of my lane and come into your house or come into your business or come into your stuff and start, to, and start trying to uh, give you counsel. I don't do that. I haven't done it in 32 years. And by the way, ain't planning on starting tonight. You know why? I want to stay in my lane. Now, when our people are having problems and they come to their pastor and they say, Pastor, we're having some issues. Would you mind sitting down with us and talking to us? That, that's, a whole, that's a whole different thing. And so I say, absolutely. And we'll plan to meet over here in the study and y'all come and we'll just sit down and we'll talk and we'll pray and we'll, we'll, we'll believe God and, and I'll, I'll, try to, I'll try to help you all, all that I can. But this is what I'm saying. People of initiative are a blessing. But that leads me to the second point there. People, uh, people who meddle are a curse. People who meddle are a curse. Now what is meddling? The word meddling means to interest oneself in what is not one's concern. Interfere without right or propriety. And so it is one thing to take the initiative. It's one thing if the paper falls on the, uh, on the ground, you pick it up. That's initiative. It's one thing to see a mess in the restroom and say, you know what? I'm, gonna, I, I'm not going to wait on the maintenance team to clean that up. I'm going to clean it up. That's initiative. But it is quite another thing when you begin to interfere and you begin to meddle in an area that you've not been called to. Are you following me tonight? Take your Bibles, turn to Proverbs 26. Let me show you an interesting verse tonight. Proverbs 26 and verse number 17. Listen, this is my longest point. And when we get past this first point, we'll be home free. And uh, listen, we won't take long tonight. We're going to have you out of here in just a bit. Proverbs 26, verse 17. But look at this interesting verse here. Proverbs 26, 17. All right, when you find your place, say amen. 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 All right, Proverbs 26, 17. The Bible says, he that passeth by... And meddleth with strife belonging not to him is like one that taketh a dog by the ears. Now, what in the world does that mean? Did you know that back in this day and time when this was written, most dogs were not domesticated? Most dogs were wild back in that day. People didn't have pets like we do today, at least not on the scale that we have today. And so the Bible's saying this, you know what? When you walk by a wild dog and you grab that wild dog by the ears, you're asking for trouble. That's what it's saying. And our Bible's saying this, when you get in people's business and you are getting out of your lane and you are, uh, you are inserting yourself into somebody's family or somebody's home or somebody's position or somebody's ministry or whatever the case may be, when you insert yourself without their permission, without their asking, the Bible says it's just like man grabbing a little wild dog by the ears and you are about to get bit. That's what our Bible's talking about. Now there's no, I don't want you to turn to all these because there aren't way too many, but just listen. First Timothy 5 verse 13 and withal they learn to be idle, wandering about from house to house, and not only idle, but tattlers also, and busybodies, speaking things which they ought not. First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 11, and that ye study to be quiet and to do your own business and to work with your own hands as we commanded you. Second Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 11, for we hear that there are some which walk among you disorderly, working not at all, but are busybodies. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 15, but let none of you suffer as a murderer or as a thief or as an evildoer or as a busybody in other men's matters. Listen, stay in your lane. As a leader, stay in your lane. Uh, stay in your lane. You stay there where God has called you and don't 
interfere with things that are not your concern. Now, you say, preacher, what in the world are you talking about? Well, I'm glad you asked. Let me get, no, seriously, in all seriousness, let me give you some, let, let me give you some for instances. If you've never pastored a church, stay in your lane. Stay in your lane. And by the way, I don't mean that mean in, in any way tonight. I, listen, I, as I said just a moment ago, I pastor one of the greatest congregations in the whole world. But listen to me. If you've never pastored a church, stay in your lane. Okay? Um, and, uh, well, I'll tell you one thing. If I pastor that church, well, you don't. And number, and, 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 and number next, you wouldn't long. Did you know people won't go with you if they can't get along with you? And so just listen, just, just stay in your lane. Understand something, that the pastor is attempting to pastor 300 people who are totally, totally unique. They come from every walk of life. Some like one thing, others like something else. Some are very mature Christians. Some are not. The pastor's trying to make everybody feel wanted and, and welcome and needed. I don't need you going behind me and trying to tell people, we don't need you here. Listen, stay in your lane. Just stay in your lane, okay? Now, here's the thing. God may call you to pastor a church one time, and there's a few of you. Man, if you don't watch what you're doing, I'm gonna start praying God does. I really am. And uh, no, I'm just picking. I'm picking. I'm just picking. And uh, hey, listen, I remember my pastor, my pastor who's in heaven tonight, I, I preached his funeral. He stayed at the same church for over 40 years. Now, folks, I'm gonna tell you something. Uh, that's, not, that's, that's almost unheard of nowadays. These are the average tenure, the average tenure of a pastor's three and a half. Three and a half years, the average pastor stayed at church three and a half years now, and my pastor stayed at the same church for over 40 years. And I can remember when I left you Fuller Baptist Church and I went to Bible college, and boy, they began to teach us, and I thought, and, and I remember, and I remember thinking this, Brother Mike, I remember thinking, man, I'm gonna tell you one thing. If I pastored you Fuller Baptist Church, well, you know what? I didn't. Otis Johnson pastored you Fuller Baptist Church. But when I think thoughts like that, you know what's happening? I'm veering out of my lane. And by the way, when I started pastoring, boy, oh boy, oh boy, did I gain an incredible respect from my pastor. And so listen, stay in your lane. Listen, if you've never led music or led the choir, stay in your lane. Well, I want to tell you one thing. If I led the choir, you don't. You don't stay in your lane. Well, I'll tell you one thing. It, you know what? If, if, if I was the supervisor, you're not. So stay in your lane. Hey, listen, if you've never been married, if you've never been married, stay in your lane. Quit trying to tell married couples, well, this is what I would do. You don't have a clue what you would do until you live under the roof with a woman. You don't have a clue what you would do. <laughs> Hey, listen, we can have fun with this. But I think you know where I'm going. Stay in your lane. Hey, listen, if you have never experienced the loss of a spouse or a child, stay in your lane. Well, I know how you feel. No, you don't. 
Don't, don't try to veer out of your lane into their lane. I know exactly how you feel. No, you don't know how they feel until you've been there, until you've went through that kind of hurt and you've had to bury a child or you've had to bury a spouse that you slept with for 30 years and you loved and you cherished. Hey, you've not been there. Don't get in their lane. That's what I'm saying. Hey, if you've never experienced cancer and chemotherapy, stay in your lane. Well, you know what? I really think I know how you feel. Have you had cancer? No. Well, you don't then. Stay in your lane. If you're not serving, listen, if you're not serving on the maintenance team, stay in your lane. Well, the bathroom, bathroom's a mess. All right, just stay in your lane. Let the maintenance team, amen, we're preaching good tonight, amen. Hey, if you've, if you've never taught a Sunday school class, stay in your lane. Well, I'll tell you one thing, if I was the Sunday school teacher, you're not. You're not the Sunday school teacher. And so you pray for your Sunday school teacher that God will speak to them and breathe on them and fill them with his, with his spirit and, and you pray for them. And, uh, listen, I, I had to write this one down. If you've never served in the nursery, stay in your lane because we got some ladies who want to get out of their lane. I'm telling you that. Now, what are you talking about, preacher? I'm talking about the mistake of meddling. Miriam was a good lady. She was a good lady. But God never called Miriam to lead. God never called Miriam to rebuke Moses. Moses, I know it was her brother, but, but Moses was also the leader of the children of Israel. And when Miriam began to rebuke the man of God and say, you know what? You're not the only one God speaks through. God speaks through me, the Bible says. And the Lord heard it. Now, let me show you a couple of other things here. We're, we're done. I'll go through these quick, quick, quick tonight. How about this? Number, number next. We don't only see the mis mistake of meddling. We see misfortune and misery. Miriam received serious affliction. Look at Numbers chapter 12 and look at verse number 10. Numbers 12 and verse number 10. I'm going to tell you, church, listen, this must have been pretty serious. I mean, God must have looked upon this pretty seriously because uh, he, he did not give her the common cold. Look at it, Numbers 12, verse 10. The Bible says, And the cloud departed from off the tabernacle, and behold, Miriam became, what did she become? Leprous, white as snow. And Aaron looked upon Miriam, and behold, she was leprous. And so we, we see that Miriam received serious affliction, and I noticed this, that Miriam suffered shame. Did y'all notice as we read this tonight that God did pardon Miriam, but not immediately? Did you know for seven long days she was forced to face her shame? Look in your Bibles again. Numbers 12, verse 14. And the Lord said unto Moses, if her father had but spit in her face, should she not be ashamed seven days? Let her be shut out from the camp seven days. And after that, let her be received in Again, You know what that tells me, church? God sees leadership as something that's very important. And meddling with leadership is something that God handles very seriously. And so we see the mistake of meddling. We see misfortune and misery. We're moving quickly. How about this? Look at this. We see the muzzling of movement. Look at Numbers 12, verse 15. And Miriam was shut out from the camp seven days. Look at this next line. And the people journeyed not till Miriam was brought in again. You know what happened? Forward movement was completely stopped. Progress was halted. All because one lady decided to veer out of her lane and do something that God never called her to do. 
And because of that, the camp did not move until finally, seven days later, God brought her back into the camp and God healed her. And so we see the mistake of meddling. We see misfortune and misery. We see the muzzling of, of movement. We're done. We're done. Look at this. We see the meekness of Moses. Now, let me tell you what I love about the Word of God. When God gives us a story like this, He always, usually, He gives us a contrast. And that's exactly what God is doing even in this story. God gives us a great contrast, an amazing contrast. And the contrast is Moses and Miriam. Although they are brother and sister, you know what? They are totally different. Now, there's some of you here tonight, you have a brother, you have a sister, and you say, Pastor, I have a sibling, but we are totally different. And Miriam and Moses were totally different. Miriam who was not the leader, was guilty of meddling. And Moses, who was the God-ordained leader, manifested meekness, humility, and a servant's heart. Listen, did you know when you study this out, you'll find out that Moses, who was, I mean, listen, we might as well say it like this, he was the head honcho. Next to God he was. And yet Moses was totally open to other folks serving. Look in your Bibles. Look at Numbers 11. I'm just trying to figure out what to give you and what not to give you tonight. Numbers 11, verse 16. And the Lord said unto Moses, Gather unto me 70 men of the elders of Israel, whom thou knowest to be the elders of the people, and officers over them, and bring them unto the tabernacle of the congregation, that they may stand here, uh, stand there with me. And I will come down and talk with thee there, and will take of the spirit which is upon thee, and will put it upon them, and they shall bear the people, the burden of the people with thee, that thou bear it not thyself. Skip down to verse number 26. Look at this. This is also an interesting part of the story, verse 26. But there remained two of the men in the camp. The name of the one was Eldad, and the name of the other Medad. And the Spirit rested upon them, and they were of them that were written, but went not out under the tabernacle. In other words, these were one of the 70, 70 elders that Moses chose, but for some reason, uh, Eldad and Medad didn't make it to the tabernacle where God said, bring them to the tabernacle. I'm going to take of your Spirit. I'm going to put your Spirit upon these men. For some reason, these two men didn't make it to the tabernacle, and yet God still gave them of Moses' Spirit. Look at verse 27. The Bible says, they, verse 26, they prophesied in the camp. These men did, verse 27. And there ran a young man and told Moses and said, Eldad and Medad do prophesy in the camp. And Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of Moses, one of his young men answered and said, my Lord Moses, forbid them. And Moses said unto him, to, to Joshua, envious thou for my sake? Would God that all the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would put his spirit upon them. You know what? Moses was a meek man. Numbers 12, verse 3 says, Now the man Moses was very meek. Numbers 12, verse 7 calls Moses a servant. Joshua 1, verse 1 calls Moses a servant. Joshua 1, verse 2 calls Moses a servant. Joshua 1, verse 7 calls Moses a servant. Joshua 1, verse 13 calls Moses a servant. Joshua 1, chapter, uh, verse 15 calls Moses a servant. And so Moses was the God-called leader but you know the thing that was different between Moses and Miriam? Moses had a servant's heart. And Moses just wanted to help people and serve people and love people. Now, we're done. You can, you can close your Bibles. We're done. But give me your attention just for another minute. Every one of us ought to be servant leaders. Servant leaders. And let me tell you where a genuine servant leader's heart comes from. Where does a servant leader's heart come, come from? 
And this is, the, this is the answer. It comes from seeing people as valuable. Listen to this and we're done. If I see people as hurting, I want to heal them. If I see people as broken, I want to fix them. If I see people as bad, I want to punish them. But if I see people as valuable, I want to serve them. And that's why I don't mind serving this congregation. You know why? Because you're valuable. You're valuable to me. Plato said it like this. Only those who do not seek power are qualified to hold it. Every driver has a lane they're supposed to stay in. As you go home tonight, please don't get in the other lane. You have a lane you're supposed to stay in. Stay in that lane. Where's Miss Karen at? Every Sunday night before she goes home, she knows what I'm about to say. I'll say, Miss Karen, hold it between the yellow lines. That's what I'll tell her. Every, listen, every driver has a lane you're supposed to stay in. And every Christian has a lane that God has called you to. Stay in that lane and submit to the Lord. Listen to this neat story. Frank Cock illustrates the importance of obeying the laws of the lighthouse. Two battleships assigned to the training squadron had been at sea on maneuvers in heavy weather for several days. He said, I was serving on the lead battleship and was on watch on the bridge as night fell. The visibility was poor with patchy fog, so the captain remained on the bridge, keeping an eye on all activities. Shortly after dark, the lookout on the wing reported, light bearing on the starboard bow. Is it steady or moving? Astern, the captain called out. The lookout replied, steady, captain, which meant we were on a dangerous collision course with that ship. The captain then called to the signal man, signal that ship. We're on a collision course. Advise you, change course 20 degrees. Back came the signal, advisable for you to change course 20 degrees. The captain said, send. I'm a captain. Change course 20 degrees. I'm a seaman. Second class came the reply. You'd better change course 20 degrees. By that time, the captain was furious. He spat out, send, I'm a battleship. Change course 20 degrees. And back came the flashing light. I'm a lighthouse. Change your course. And they did change their course. Now, listen, stay in your lane. Stay in your lane. You do what God's called you to do. And, uh, and just do what God's called you to do and you'll become the leader that God wants you to be. Let's bow our heads tonight. Father, we love you, and thank you so much for this time we've had together tonight. And Lord, I pray that you'll help us to be servant leaders, not head honchos, not people who feel like we've got all the answers. Nobody's got all the answers except Jesus. Lord, I pray that we'll just have a servant's heart. And God, I pray that we'll see people not as broken, not as sick, not as sinful even. But God, I pray we'll see people as valuable. And God, we'll want to serve them. Lord, as these kids pour into, this, into our rooms this coming week, God, I pray that we'll see them as valuable. They're a creation of God. Lord, they're not an accident. And it's not an accident that they'll make it to our Bible school. Lord, it's not an accident some of these moms and dads will stay 
They'll be here in the adult class and they may not look like us. Lord, some of them may be tattooed up. Lord, some of them may not look maybe like we think they ought to look. But God, would you help us to remember they're valuable. They're valuable. And God, when we look at these people and look at these kids, may we see them as a, a valuable part of God's creation. And I pray, Father, that we'd have a servant's heart. Lord, rise up, rise up great leaders. We're thankful for what you're doing at Calvary, but I pray that this is only a foretaste of what you will do. God, raise up some young men who would have a heart for God and be spirit-filled, who would lead this next generation to serve Jesus Christ. God, I pray that you do that. God, tonight, as we end this service and go home, maybe, maybe some leaders need to tiptoe down to an altar somewhere and just say, Lord, would you fill me with your spirit this week? Lord, as I stand to teach your word, Lord, as I love some of these kids that come into my classes, Lord, as I minister to these kids in the activities, Lord, as I serve them in fellowship and in, in, in refreshments, Lord, as I help them get signed in for registration, Lord, would you, would you help me? Would you fill me with your spirit? Lord, as I minister to these adults that'll be in the adult class, God, would you fill me? Lord, Holy Spirit, would you go with me? Would you give me the words to say? And Lord, would you help me to see them as valuable? They're not an accident. Lord, they're not second class. Doesn't matter what they look like. Lord, they're valuable. They're valuable. And Lord, would you give me the wherewithal to point them to the Savior? God, have your way in this invitation. And we thank you and praise you for all that you do. In Jesus' name. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Let's all stand around the house tonight. Listen, if God spoke to your heart and you need to come, I want to encourage you to just take just a moment and just step out tonight and come and just pray something like this. Holy Spirit, would you just pour out on me this week? God, would you help me as I lead a song? Would you help me as I love a kid? Would you help me as I welcome these adults in? God, would you help me? Would you fill me with your spirit as I work out here in the parking lot? Lord, as, as, uh, as I meet and greet and, and help people around the property, Holy Spirit, would you, would you fill me? Would you help me to be a servant leader? Would you help me to have a servant's heart? While we pause just for a moment, why don't you come and do business with the Lord tonight? Listen, if you're here and, and you say, Preacher, I'm not saved, why don't you come tonight? And we'd love to take the Bible and show you how you can, how you can come to Christ as your personal Savior, all right? You come tonight. We'll be glad to talk to you about the gospel. I hope you'll do that. If you're watching the live stream, we're so glad to have you here tonight. And there's a number on the bottom of your screen right now, 704-327-5662. And we have some people waiting right beside the phone. And if you'll call that number, we'd love to, to speak with you and to share Christ with you and how you can know for sure that you're going to heaven when you die. Father, thank you for all of these that are in the altars tonight. And I don't know all the reasons, but I pray, Heavenly Father, that you'd bless them. And I pray, God, that you'd give them the desires of their heart. God, this week, Satan's going to come. He's going to tempt us to get aggravated, to be short-tempered. 
God, by Friday night, we're going to be good and tired. But God, I pray all this week we'll be servant leaders. Father, help us to be servant leaders. Help us to look for areas and people that we can serve. God, please, work in hearts tonight. Those in the altars, those in the seats, I pray that you'd help us to be the leaders you want us to be.